You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com and call into the show for 5362 On today's show, we're joined by NBA draft expert Richard Stamen who you can follow on Twitter at Mavs Draft. I'm sure that you already do. Talking all things NBA season, how that impacts the Thunder and their draft strategies, and, of course, this loaded 2021 NBA draft class. I'll also preview tonight's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. So right now we welcome in Richard Stamen. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. The Thunder, I've, I think they, they've had the perfect season at this point. I mean, they're sitting at two and four, not too many wins right there on tankathon.com, but they're also playing competitive basketball with some bright spots with their young core. And it's been one of the most entertaining teams, I think, to watch, which if you had told me that they would be up there before the season, I would not have believed you. Um, but I've had a good time. Maybe it's just because I have draft in my name that maybe I'm <laughs> – I'm a little bit biased, uh, but I, I've really enjoyed watching, especially Teo Maladon. Like he's been, sorry, not to not to jump in right into it, but I, I've had a lot of fun watching the Thunder this year, which I did not expect. So you mentioned Teo Maladon right there, and and he has stolen some headlines, and I think that we're seeing him become that that first round talent that we talked about that he had in him whenever the Thunder drafted him in the second round. What is it about Teo that stands out to you the most right now? And I know we're only five games in. I know that Taylor himself has only put together a, a good stretch of games the last couple of games here uh, after a good preseason. Started a little bit slow in, in, uh, in uh, Charlotte and then got the, the ball rolling a bit. So what stands out to you the most about Taylor? And if you had to project right now, what do you see him at? Yeah, I didn't expect his handle to be this quick. Uh, he looks like just, I mean, with the NBA spacing uh, and talent around him, he looks very comfortable which I didn't expect year one, especially like in the first 10 games. Um, I do think he is a starting caliber guard. You know, it's kind of weird right now with George Hill. He has to balance with him. Uh, <clears throat> but I do think that just it's nothing It's nothing special. It's weird. I've, I've never seen someone who doesn't have like that elite trait really catch my eye like that. You know, there's a lot of guys who are like, oh, you have to see him do this. With Teo, it's just he looks so in control, which is a lot of what the criticism was pre-draft, where he'd be passive, he would scare the ball just didn't didn't hasn't happened in Oklahoma City you know yeah he, he has looked comfortable especially his last couple of games and I think that he's put on a brilliant display passing the basketball so far in his career yeah the passing has been impressive as well I mean the pick and roll which was I thought one of his best traits has been really clean he, re- he makes reads really nicely I mean he's averaging almost as many turnovers as, as assists but I feel like that doesn't tell the whole story so you Look at Tail right now, and again, I think that you've already covered this, but if you had to project, you, you do see him as a starting caliber NBA guard? Yeah, I think he, I think he can start next to any guard, too. He's not, he's not ball dominant. Obviously, he can play both on ball and off ball, and I think that really just helps him fit 
just into any lineup. He can be the two guard at any time. He can be the lead guard. You know, it's he can balance himself really well. And so on the other side of that coin, you have Poku, who has gotten a ton of minutes out of the gate before entering concussion protocol. And with him, the biggest thing is that his shot's not falling right now. And I think that if his shot was even falling marginally better than it is right now, there would be a different tune about his start to his career. But what have you seen watching him from the outside looking in? Yeah, he's he's tried some stuff that he should not be trying, which is the same thing, one of the criticisms that we had um, for him when he was playing in Greece. But I'm even shocked that he's playing NBA minutes, real NBA minutes, not even like I thought maybe garbage time would be what he'd see this year. So I have no expectations. If he plays poorly, that's fine. It's all a learning curve this year. I don't think – if you have expectations for Poku to be anything – like even a rotation player, I think, this year, which I'm shocked that he is that. But if you expect him to play like that, you're getting your hopes way too high. This is a guy who played horrible competition in Greece last year. Um, I, I just – I'm amazed he's on the court. He looks very raw, but he he is learning at the same time. You know, he's learning on the fly and – I think that's ultimately going to help him. Like, I, I think, you know, a lot of guys learn from their failures in the league, especially their rookie year. And Poku has a very good chance to be that. So it's hard to say what he's going to get good at next year. Obviously, like you said, the shot falling is the first thing that I would uh, point to, but I, I do like what I've seen. I, I, I don't see any major flags that are saying, oh, he's not going to be good now. So you mentioned how raw Poku is, and that's kind of the consensus around, uh, of course, his entire career thus far. When would you start his clock, right? When would you start truly evaluating the kind of player he can or, or will become? Was it even at any point this year? Or is it at any point next year even? Like how long of a leash does he have before he's really under the microscope? See, I, I'm very generous with this. I would say almost the end of his rookie contract. Like he's what, he just turned 19, I think. That's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't, anything right now, obviously it's, it's hard because his NBA contract time is ticking and it changes your expectations. But if he's not, I mean, by year four, I think you should have a better idea. I'd say year three or four is when you're getting the true Rapoku. I, I don't even think next year is going to be much better. So let's just take stock of this NBA season as a whole right now. We can keep it on the thunder. What you're seeing on the court, game in and game out, the Big talking point around this team with a fan base, anytime that they do anything remotely good, is that this team is too good to tank. I think that that is uh, rubbish myself. Uh, I think that this team is constructed in a way that is perfect to tank because it's it's built around these young guys who have a ton of storylines around them. You have a ton of interest in their development. They're going to play scrappy, play hard, give effort, be competitive in most games, but ultimately have a, a bad enough record to uh, uh, sit themselves in that top four, the lottery odds prior to the ping pong balls going in the air. And that's the best you can do with these new odds and the new rules for the lottery. But where do you see the Thunder team at? And, and are they going to be bad enough to be able to be up there in that bottom four and being able to have that highest chance possible at getting the like of Kate Cunningham or, or a player like that? Yeah. The good thing, the thing I always say about tanking is that like sometimes 20 wins, you know, will be the worst record or near the worst record. Sometimes it's like 10. Uh, it's all relative. So and I don't think there's any team that has looked just like everybody's like, oh, this is the team that you're going to get a free win. Um, so, I mean, Oklahoma City's kind of just right there in the bottom. I do think that rookies eventually, like, I mean, we saw Charlotte last year. They started hot, over overexceeded expectations. And then they leveled down and got, like, what, the eighth best lottery odds and hopped in the lottery. So I, I do think that um, – I, I do think they bottom out and they end up in the bottom three. Uh, it just seems – the roster – it's going to be hard to close games. 
even if they are in games, because I mean, Darius Baisley, for example, has obviously taken a very uh, nice step forward that I think is sustainable. Um, I do think that things like that are going to happen, but that doesn't mean the team is going to perform and win because of that. You know, if they can, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, you can play well and still lose. So you mentioned Darius Baisley and that you think that his, his jump off in year two and in the bubble is sustainable. What do you think of Lou Dort? Because right now, Thunder fans, myself included, are just salivating at the potential of Lou Dort offensively. He's shooting the ball a lot better. He's driving. He's passing very well. He's finishing very well at the rim. What do you think of Lou Dort? And is his offensive game sustainable to what you've seen so far in this season? So I still, I'm not sold on the shooting yet. Um, I, I've had concerns since he was at Arizona State. I loved his slashing and passing, and obviously the defense, like it goes without saying, but I liked his slashing and passing at Arizona State. It was, his issue always was not being able to finish at the rim. Um, so I think if he can get that down, that's going to open up a lot of his game because teams just don't respect his offense really entirely. Um, and I, I, I do like what I've seen. I don't think the shooting is really sustainable. I think he levels out to like the 20, high 20s or low 30s. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all, it's also been a good part of why Oklahoma city has been one of my favorite teams to watch so far. So I'm wondering if you're feeling the same way that I feel, I think that with this team, uh, you're going to trade George Hill at the deadline. Absolutely. Without question, maybe Muscala can play his way into being an asset. He started really hot from beyond the arc. The first four games of the season, he cooled off against Miami a little bit. We'll see where he goes from here. I think that with George Hill though, there is no landing spot that would be bad for George Hill. Like he can fit on every single competitive team. And this year there's more teams. I think that the deadline that will be competitive and more teams at the deadline that want to make the playoffs than not. And so his, his suitors could be even larger. And I don't think that, that this will be a huge return for Oklahoma city, but I do think that George Hill is moved to a contender. Is there any place that you would prefer to see George Hill go? If he plays like this all year, Give me him in Dallas. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what Dallas needs right now is that third guy to initiate offense. It's been a little bit, it's been a little bit rough without Porzingis. So maybe I'm overreacting, but they really do need someone beyond Josh Richardson and Luka Doncic that can initiate the offense in the starting five. Um, I don't know. It would probably require Tim Hardaway, which might be hard for the team to swallow. So I don't know. But I mean, you look at them. Uh, I I don't. You said it. There's so many teams that are going to be competitive. There's no one that jumps out because I, the other guy who I was thinking of that is probably going to be traded is Kyle Lowry. But I was like, but where? And, and I guess the only other place I was thinking would be Golden State, maybe if they really want to try and see if they can get something there. But that's a that's a big risk, I think, to depending on what they give up, of course. You mentioned Golden State and I want to hit on them coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Are you ready for some football? The NFL postseason is here. You can bet on every single super wild card game this weekend. I've already placed a bet on Washington football team plus nine. You can also bet on the future Super Bowl odds. The Kansas City Chiefs are plus 200. And obviously, you can bet on every single NBA game, including tonight's contest against the New Orleans Pelicans as the Oklahoma City Thunder try to rebound in their second meeting with New Orleans. So do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partners at BetOnline underscore AG on social media to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code LOCKEDON and you're going to get a sign-up bonus. Use the hashtag BetOnline when talking sports betting on social media. 
I also wanted to say to go check out Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NFL locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast from, and they are brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. We're back on Locked On Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Richard, you mentioned Golden State before the break, and they started out just dreadful, and a lot of people wrote them off. But they're playing much better basketball right now. They're 4-3 and three right now. If the season ended today, they'd be picking at pick 21, which means Oklahoma City gets their pick. Do you think that Oklahoma City will cash in with a first-round pick from Golden State this year? Will they finish 21-30? through 30? So, okay, so it's bottom 10 of the first round protected, right? Yeah, it's you top 21 to 30. No, <laughs> no, I don't see it. I, I think if they're a playoff team, they're in the 16 third, or 16 to 20 range. So that, that that's a that's an interesting take. I think that you're right on that, that that's where the odds would be. Uh, Oklahoma City last year had this same slow start. Uh, Golden State did. Then Mike Muscala hits a buzzer beater in the bubble, and it gives the 76ers that pick. I think that that's what it would take for Oklahoma City to cash in on a first-round pick from Golden State. It's going to come down to the wire. Uh, if they're even close to giving up that first-round pick, it'll be like on the second-to-last day or the very last day of the season in which they fall to uh, the 21 slot, and that goes to Oklahoma City. So I think that you're right. If I had to place a bet right now, I'd say that they have to get the second-round picks from Minnesota and not this first-round pick from Golden State. But hey, it was worth a shot to see what somebody on the outside thought of the situation. Yeah, sorry to sorry to crash your hopes on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they still got two, you know, probably lottery picks in this draft. So that's something to look forward to. Speaking of which, the Houston Rockets, as you know, they own the pick swap with the Houston Rockets and the Miami Heat. I think that we can agree that the Miami Heat pick is going to be far better than the Houston Rockets pick. But where do you see the Houston Rockets landing in this? topsy-turvy season that you know one minute James Harden's for sure gone the next minute well let's try to talk him back into Houston where do you see the Rockets finishing is it going to end up with like one of the 10 worst teams in the NBA or they finish just outside the postseason like how far is the spectrum here and where would you bet that they finish yeah I I go back and forth every single night it completely is game to game for me I do think that they're going to get a lottery uh, pick. I think it's a lottery team just because first of all, I don't think John Wall stays healthy long enough. Eric Gordon's a big health liability too. Um, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is a liability in a lot of ways, uh, both on court and I mean, just in every possible way. So they're, I mean, Harden can do it. It's just, I, I, the West is pretty dang good. And, and that team isn't good enough to, for Harden to carry every single night. So I, I mean, they miss the playoffs. So shifting into the 2021 NBA draft that everyone, including us, we, we've had a podcast before together talking about how great this, this draft is. Right now, my top prospect is still, without a doubt, Cade Cunningham. I think that he gets even better whenever he gets to the NBA level. I think that the college game is not really suited for him exactly. It's where that he can expand more at the NBA level. Is he still your number one prospect? And has someone made it even close for Cade Cunningham? Nobody's made it close. The, it, it's going to be Cade. There's no chance I change number one. I think he's the easiest lock of number one pick we've seen in years. Um, even with, you know, Zion was a pretty early lock. I, I think it's Cade's. I mean, unless he gets catastrophically injured, God forbid. Like, I I just don't see it. Um, the number two spot, though, that is wide open, especially with the G League not playing yet. So it's a huge mystery. And two of the guys in that race 
haven't played yet and they're on the G League team. I, I do think number two is going to be the – it's going to be a big sweepstakes. Since there's about four guys I would put in there, which are Jalen Suggs. You could make the argument Evan Mobley. Uh, I After gambling on centers for so long, I'm kind of just scared to put big men there, and I, I have some concerns with him. Um, and then another Jalen, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kuminga. And you can even make the argument Scott, Scotty Barnes from Florida State. So that's five guys that are – that there's a real argument for the second or third best player in the draft. And – it's it's deep at the top. It is a very deep lottery uh, class. And the Thunder aren't, are on all, in all likelihood going to have two lottery picks in this loaded lottery. So that should make every Thunder fan smile right now, wherever they're listening to this show at. So you mentioned there, you don't see a, a world in which Cade Cunningham even has a remote chance to fall from that top spot the way that Luca did. I mean, Luca had this same hype. Then all of a sudden you get some silly owners in there that take DeAndre Ayton and, and Marvin Bagley and just things go haywire. You don't think that that's even a possibility for Cade Cunningham. No, and, and I think they play so similarly, Luca and Cade. Um, and they're not comparisons, but they, they do have similar traits, especially as passers. And, you know, I, I think just overall how they impact the game is decently similar. I think teams aren't going to overthink it. Plus, Luca also had two very, very, I mean, I would say generational players from high school um, in his draft class with DeAndre Aiden was an absolute freak. And he, I mean, just seven, six wingspan freak athlete uh, dominated high school and Marvin Bagley, who for a while was considered the best prospect in basketball, basketball, regardless of class for like since his sophomore year, there was a lot of hype around both of them uh, that Luca, even though he won EuroLeague MVP, having the, the American bias that I don't think Cade will have to face. There's no international prospect that's giving him a run for his money. I don't, I don't see it again. The only way would be injury. Um, so I, I think it's Cade's no matter what. So you mentioned Evan Mobley there as we were talking about second overall picks and things like that. And with the Thunder struggling so much on the interior defense and really lacking a big man on this roster, it's gotten a lot of Thunder fans clamoring for Mobley. I personally agree with you that I, I just have a tough time selling and, and buying a big man at pick two or pick three, even if the Thunder are fortunate enough to land there after the lottery. What is your breakdown of Mobley? And are there even elite level centers in this draft class in your estimation that can really help improve that paint protection? Yeah, I, I think Mobley is, he's an interesting one. So probably the best, uh, how do I describe it? Like he's a great rebounder, especially just because he's such a quick leaper. Um, there's really no one with a better second jump in the class. He, it's like Zion. If you remember his second jump was just out of this world. And for a big man at his size, it's pretty crazy. He can shoot, excuse me, he can shoot. He can defend the rim because he's long and he's a really good athlete, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have the awareness, I think, to be a great rim protector, which is a really big flag if you're drafting at the top. I mean, we've seen that with DeAndre Aiden. That, that was one of his criticisms. So I, I do think that that is why I maybe wouldn't consider him. If it was, you know, I, I mean, I had Aiden number two and I really thought he had a good reason to go number one. Um they're kind of similar, but not, I, I, I think Mobley, it, it all comes down to if you can develop his defensive IQ because he gets the game. It's just on defense. The rotations are off a lot and uh, things like that, which obviously for a big man, you have the most important defensive position on the court. So you probably have to be on top of that. Again, it's just up to uh, whoever drafts him to develop that end. 
And to that point, for Thunder fans clamoring for Mobley, the Thunder have just been praised and praised and praised for this coaching staff's developmental traits and their ability to cultivate talent. So maybe they can be the ones to unlock all of Evan Mobley. Oklahoma City, like you said, they've, they're decorated for it. And I used to think it was Scott Brooks, but I mean, now it's three coaches in that we've seen develop like just so many top end talents. I do think that Oklahoma City would be one of the top places for him. So we mentioned briefly the G League select members. And to me, it's a, it's a two-man race. These are the only two guys I see making a huge impact, but you're the draft expert. Is there someone beyond Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga that we should be looking at as the G League ramps up here in about February with that bubble experience? Is there someone that you're zeroed in on beyond those two guys that can make a real impact in this draft? The only other person, I, I don't know how to say his name right. Um, I think it's Dacian Nix. Dacian Nix. Um, he was a UCLA commit, 6'5 guard, really good athlete, high IQ. Um, I don't know what his shot looks like, honestly, because I, I just – I haven't seen a ton of that in the high school tape. I really don't watch a ton of high school. But uh, from people I, I do trust, they uh, they love his game. And, and from the quick videos I've seen, uh, he's he's got it. You know, um, I, I really like his IQ. That's probably the biggest thing I would sell on. Um, he's just a really good playmaker because of it. it. It shows in his passing. That would be the other guy. Maybe Isaiah Todd. He was a top recruit a little bit ago, but he's fallen off um, in that status, but those are probably the two. So coming up, I do want to dive into Jalen green and Jonathan and just seeing where, what your opinions are of those players and where you have them stacking up in this loaded draft class. I want to thank our good friends over at builtbar.com. Built bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use our promo code locked on, get 20% off your next order. They have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They are phenomenal, covered in 100% real chocolate to make them taste just like that candy bar. They are soft and easy to chew, and they are great for the conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Try them today at billboard.com. Use promo code locked on, get 20% off that next order. When this podcast is over, go check out Hollinger and Duncan. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts by listening to Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast. I'm here with Richard Stamen, Richard, NBA draft expert. Let me know your breakdown of, of Jalen Green. I, I think personally that he'd be my you know second, third guy on the board for me. I have him you know right in the mix with Jalen Suggs. Is that too high? Is that too low? Where are you at with Jalen Green? So I think I have him three or four, depending on the day. He's he's an incredible athlete probably the most explosive athlete uh, since Zion to come out of the draft. Um, I mean, he is just unreal. I don't know if you've seen any videos of him, but he is just crazy going to the rim. I think he's borderline unstoppable and his jump shots pretty clean. And I'm a sucker for that combination on the wing. Um, so I'm really big on him. I don't know what his defense looks like. We really haven't seen him play competitive enough in my opinion to judge that, uh, which obviously the same will go for Kuminga, but uh, Jalen green. I mean, he's, He's got the combination, the elite combination of a nice jump shot and elite athleticism, which is going to be the main selling points. Look, you're the draft expert, so I'm going to be honest with you right now. 
I, I bring you on to talk all about the draft, but whenever I got the email from the NBA G League PR representative that sent me all of these, you know, montages and clips from scrimmages and games that Jalen's played against these uh, G League veterans, that, that G League veteran team. I started getting so excited about the possibility of, of him as an NBA player and thinking to myself, you know, not a bad consolation prize if, if the Thunder miss out on getting Gabe Cunningham. I am very, very excited about Jalen Green. Yeah, like I said, the lottery is deep. Um, I wouldn't call this a deep draft class, but it is deep at the top. There's a lot of guys that would have been considered number one in this in basically 2020 where there wasn't the guy at the top. Um, Jalen Green is going to be a prize for someone who wasn't bad enough to be the worst team in the league, you know. So keeping in, keeping in mind that the Rockets pick swap is top four protected. And so at that point, if they do land in the top four by the grace of the lottery, the Thunder would get the Miami Heat pick instead. So keeping that in mind, the Thunder would need to start at five for the Rockets pick. So from five to what should Thunder fans be excited about? Like how deep is that top? If they get the Rockets pick from five to, to this number, you should still feel excited. I'd say probably 10, 10, give or take one spot. Um, I, I think there's some risks after nine or 10, uh, but there's still some nice talents there. A lot of them are just because we haven't seen him play with COVID and everything like that, uh, including like Jalen Johnson. He's a guy who I have a lot of hope in, but it's hard to say because he hasn't played anybody out of conference and they haven't played in almost a month now, it feels like. So is there a team right now, you mentioned there's COVID and, and these guys haven't played or they've been spotty when they play, or maybe they miss out the games against top competition that you're ready to see and they've only played bad competition. Is there a guy that you're very high on that you don't feel is getting enough public buzz right now? I mean, it might be Scotty Barnes. I have him third on my board. He He's at Florida State. He's a jumbo playmaker. He's a 6'8 guard, uh, probably combo guard in the NBA. Really good defender. Uh, jump shot's a little bit slow, so who knows how he gets it off, but it doesn't worry me. It's not going to hold him back much. Crazy long strides, really good athlete, great finisher. Um, I, I really like him. I don't think he's gotten enough national attention somehow. He would probably be my pick. Is there a player that you think is just too high on everyone else's board? Is, has there been able to have enough development on the, on the draft uh, prediction market to have someone you think is just vastly overrated? I hate that I'm going to say this because I loved this player in high school. Uh, Josh Christopher from Arizona State. I, I have concerns about how his game translates. Um, just I, I don't know. He's a really good one-on-one scorer, has a lot of the scoring traits. I don't know how he impacts the game. Um, that kind of worries me. If I'm picking at the top, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want that. But his individual talent is still top 10 worthy. It's just, again, is he going to be empty stats? I don't know. So that's my, that's my one player who I have a concern on. And Richard circling, of course, circling back to Cade Cunningham, because at this point, if the Thunder play any more games like they did against Miami, this is going to turn into locked on Cade Cunningham. We've already established that he is far and away the number one pick in this draft. With that being said, if the Thunder get say pick three and seven via the lottery from their own pick and the Rockets pick, plus their treasure trove of future first-round picks. Is there any package out there that you would think is worthy enough for Cade Cunningham, or is Cade Cunningham so good that you would just not even touch a trade package for him? Yeah, I, I, I'm, that's a hard question. I think you asked this to me on the last one, too, right after the draft or right before the draft. And I think I said 
that no trade package could do it. And I still, I think I might stand by that. Um, I think Kate is the guy. I think he's probably a generational player. And I don't think you trade out of that. It'll be so interesting to see how this all shakes out. Obviously, lottery night is the most important night in Oklahoma City this year. Richard, let them know where they can find all of your great work covering the NBA draft. Yeah, uh, at Mavs Draft on Twitter is going to have 90% of it. And then the other 10% um, I do on my podcast, Mavs Draft Podcast and MavsDraft.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. Obviously, the Mavs are going to give their pick to New York this year. So anytime you want to change your name to Thunder Draft for this year, we would welcome <laughs> you with open arms. Well, I appreciate it. I, uh, I might accidentally do it one time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're statement. Draft expert. Follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. And right now, I want to talk real quickly about tonight's contest against the New Orleans Pelicans, the second meeting of the season against the Pelicans for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, in this game, the Thunder are going to be without Ty Jerome and Trevor Ariza. Jerome is out for a right ankle sprain. Uh, Trevor Ariza, of course, not with the team. Alexei Pukashevsky is also out. He's still in concussion protocol and will not play tonight for the Oklahoma City Thunder. In this game, you have to watch for the paint defense. How can the Thunder even attempt to get better in the paint and protect the rim? They're the second-to-worst team in that painted area. They've got to find a way to improve. Do they even have the talent or, or the ability or the length or size to do so? We'll find out tonight. Darius Baisley guarding Zion Williamson will be a fun matchup. He got the Jimmy Butler assignment a couple of days ago against Miami. Now he takes on Zion again. How does he improve on that aspect? And of course, the Pelicans blew a game late last time out against Indiana. Do they come into this game ready to blow the doors off the place? My bet of the day is going to be Pelicans minus eight. I think that the Pelicans run away with this thing. There is no answer in the paint for Steven Adams and Zion Williamson, and they just bully the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pelicans win by eight. My money ball pick of the day, who leads the Thunder in three-pointers made? I am over so far this season. I'm going to Mike Uscala, who has a bounce-back game from beyond the arc off the Thunder bench. Let me know your picks for better today and go put them in at betonline.ag. Let me know your picks, though, on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. This has been Locked on Thunder. Thank you so much to Mavs Draft for joining the podcast to break down this loaded 2021 NBA draft class. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Thunder.